Wade's going first. Okay. okay. Hi, welcome to... Wait, no. Chris has the intro. <laughs> it's going to be great. People are going to love it. People are going to love it. I don't know if they're going to love it. Okay. Like, this is different. This is different. They just shut it off. Yeah, they're like, no, we don't want to hear this. <laughs> I think this is the wrong podcast. Yeah. Okay, how about, uh, how about, welcome to the Ceramics Podcast. I'm Cami Klamako. This is my co-host, Gus Hamilton, and my other co-host, Christopher Gale. Just like every other week. Oh. Yeah. And today, as our <laughs> guest, we are talking to Wade Tullier. Did I say that right? Tullier. Two years. Two years. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> because you're from Louisiana. That's right. And it would be Toulier. Yeah. And we talked Toulier. about it. Yeah. Because it's so Toul- French. It's super How French. How French are you? Like really French, like forty percent French. Whoa. That's a- an upsetting amount of French. Yeah. <laughs> are you mad about this submarine business that we got going on? What submarine business? <laughs> Well, okay, well, that's... <laughs> we can cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, there's got like dark. some news items with France. We undercut uh, France in a submarine, submarine deal. Yeah. And oh, God. The, the well, French are really I mad mean, about I've it. been in the cabin for <laughs> <Yeah>. the past <laughs> month, so if there's any news, Good I have for no you. idea. Good. Oh, that's Good. cool. That's better. Like, mine's, my news is there's chipmunks and bears still in the world. Like, I don't know. That's great. Climate change hasn't killed them yet. Nice. Not yet. Yeah. But wait, you live in you live in Detroit, right? Yeah. Because you went to Cranbrook. Wait. Uh, I mean, like, I would mean, you have picked to live in Detroit had you not gone to Cranbrook? No. Look. <laughs> no. Um, I guess I ended up in Detroit because of Cranbrook, but also because my partner was still in Cranbrook. Mm. Oh. Um, so I left to do teaching for a year in Akron, Ohio, and then yeah, and then came back to Detroit, and I've just kind of been there since. Okay. Yeah. And so, is your partner still your partner? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So are you guys gonna you're gonna stay in Detroit like it's working out? No. <laughs> Where are you you're planning to go? Uh, we have been discussing leaving for like. At least two years. Since the, the problem, moment you set foot in Detroit, you were like, what's our n- exit strategy? No, I think it was like, we gave it a solid like year after being there and just like, you just don't think it's going to work. Where's she from? She's from Eugene, Oregon. Cool. And, and that's where she is now because she just picked up a, like a sabbatical teaching replacement for jewelry and metals there. Okay. Nice. Um, but we've been kind of discussing like leaving Detroit for a while now, but the pandemic has just totally thrown that plan off for a variety of reasons. Um, and now we're still thinking about it. Like, where do we go? Like, I think I want to move to like a more quiet, maybe rural, more rural place because I just need like space to work. Yeah. Um, and Detroit is not despite like it being Detroit and you know thinking that there's loads of space there there really isn't um and it's getting more and more expensive rapidly mm-hmm. uh, so there was like a time a couple of years ago in New York that was really really popular to go move to Detroit that, like, I feel like that's what everybody yeah was like people were like yeah I just bought a $13,000 house in Detroit <laughs> and you know where you know, everyone's moving like, now is Pittsburgh 
Oh, yeah, I've I heard it. it's yeah. really cool there too. Because yeah. my friend just visited there and said that the art scene there is really cute, and all the buildings there are like very Reasonable. very nice. Yeah. 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 So that's probably your. Yeah, I don't yeah. think like Detroit right <laughs> right now houses in Detroit. We're like, what about like, Pittsburgh? Um, <laughs> I know, just giving suggestions. Like houses in Detroit now are like three hundred thousand dollars. What? Remember, for, if, like, for a while there used to always be like stories about people like buying houses for the price of a VCR. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which VCRs are actually probably expensive because they don't make them anymore. And just because <laughs> the land was like had lead in it or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean. It's not, it's not as, it's not like all of the news stories keep saying it is. Like, What's a, yeah, what is like being an artist in Detroit like? Um, it's, re- it, it honestly is really hard to find space to work. Like I'm in one of what I think is maybe one of the only arts complexes in Detroit. There's like a handful of them, but I mean, there's so many people trying to be artists there. It's, it's just hard to get space. You're constantly priced out. Like even the space that I'm in right now um, called the Russell Industrial Center, that like they just increased prices on some of the tenants. They increased prices on this artist collective that was there by 40%. Jesus. Um, you see lawyers moving into empty spaces. You see oh, uh, like large tip. weed businesses and stuff setting up there. It's like it's only a matter of time before it kind of catches up like there's um studio apartments for rent in detroit going for like 1200 to 1500 dollars a month and it's kind of like that's That's everything it's like that's very expensive for you know i mean there's like no infrastructure yeah um wild yeah so and like that's been a trend for like the past couple years that i've noticed like the houses yeah, like maybe like five or six years ago, yeah, you could get like a house, like a house, like more like a shell yeah, for like $20,000, $10,000. And now you see like houses that were on the market for like $50,000 are now on the market for $150,000. Um, right. You start to see like that kind of like price action. Um, there was a, there's like a little corner garage shop near my house that's sold for half a million and then it was bombed out they had to do a full renovation of it they did the full renovation of it a weed business moved into it like um a dispensary they stayed open for about two months and then shut down and now it's back on the market for sale again oh my god so it's kind of like weird like slippery kind of deal that sounds about right i mean yeah (laughs) That sounds like some That's, mafia. That sounds like you, some mafia. You've been to Detroit a bunch because you went yeah, to school. Totally, yeah, yeah. Have you ever been there? I've mm. never been. Yeah, not me. Yeah, yeah. but I want to go because me too. of Detroit Rock City. Oh, I think. Yeah. I think you should go. Yeah. Like you should definitely go. Um, there's just a lot of issues that I don't feel like are being addressed. Yeah. You know. So. So do you like with your studio? Do you have your own studio? Do you share a studio? Like, what's happening? I share a studio with two other people. I share 1,200 square feet with two other people. So I have about 500 square feet to myself. Um, oh, my God. That's so big. It's good. Um, but, I mean, the other thing that's, I guess, kind of weird is, like, I, sh- I have that space and I also try to do, like, too much in it. Yeah. Like, I have a photography set up. 
I build crates in that space. I have storage in that space. I make ceramics in the space, and I have my kilns in the space. Oh my god! So it's like, mm. <laughs> yeah, because what is your, like, what's your day job? Uh, that? like <laughs> that, or like I still do some freelance art handling. Okay, but it's I'm trying to stop that. Yeah, because it's hard. Do you still do you work for the museum? No. Okay. Did you work for the museum? Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. I did. Yeah. Like when you saw me uh, with Patrick Parrish, I was uh, associate preparator at the Cranbrook Art Museum. Okay. And then I quit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Is oh. that guy that's the preparator? What's his name? John. John. Is he cool? He's still there. Yeah. He's, he's he seems fun. cool on yeah. Instagram. I mean, what's he gonna say on the podcast? No, he fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah, he John, sucks. this one's for you. <laughs> he sucks. That's why I quit. <laughs> <laughs> We can always cut stuff out. <laughs> <laughs> of course, obviously. I know. But you, Chris, your studio is like really, you're in San Francisco. Yes. Do you get like, like, do you have 500 square feet all to yourself? No. So like, well, I guess I have more space because I'm technically, I'm in Oakland. Um, and there's just like, you just get more there. Like with space, it's a little bit more spacious. My space, well, um, the thing is me and my friend, we found this like warehouse um like an industrial space and we kind of like turned it into a ceramic studio right and it's between me uh, and my friend natalie and then it was just like way too big for us so we had like four other artists in the unit as well so each person actually only has like about like i would say like nine by ten. Oh, so yeah. it's like new york space pretty much to, yeah like, your one bedroom my apartment castle. Yeah. yeah, so it's more like I mean, that sounds yeah. pretty luxurious. It's, but yeah, but you but also I, make you could, big. That work. sounds like it'd be full. It's it's full. It gets yeah. full. Um, it fills up faster than what I want it to. Isn't it scary to have that much? Like even MySpace is like two hundred and fifty maybe square feet. Plus I like store a bunch of stuff at Broken Clay. But it really freaks me out thinking about like the size of truck I. I'm gonna need to rent if I ever have to move all that shit like yeah I yeah it I really think, freaks me out I think that's where I'm saying I need more space because I'm like I know that I'm at the limits of the space like in terms of like I can't get more kilns yeah like I know that because of the power doesn't support yeah. it and like the space requirements for that and so I'm like I don't want to keep putting more in it if I have to then move it. Yeah. Because I'm like, I hate moving. Yeah. Moving ceramics sucks. <laughs> moving ceramics equipment sucks. sucks. So bad. Do you have or a cable like... saw? No. Oh, yeah. I have like a, a skill saw with like a set thing I can like set it and it'll cut across yeah. boards. Yeah. Yeah. I totally <laughs> think like you make work, to, like your work size depends on how much space you have. So yeah, all my work for a long time yeah. fit in a reusable Trader Joe's bag, because <laughs> that was my favorite like sh my favorite like thing to carry. Yeah, and I could throw it in my backpack. So all the like all the paintings for like two years. Oh straight yeah, they were all like wow. they were all like I'd have to carry them up to the ninety second Street Y. Nine by twelve or like 12 no, yeah, they were by like twelve by fourteen or something. Yeah, wow. Totally. Yeah, I think yeah. that makes sense because yeah. I feel like when I was at a community studio, I was just making like small pieces. And then when I move to like a bigger space, of course, like you just you're allowing yourself to make bigger pieces yeah. because you have the space and you're not just like trying to be like, OK, I have this like small shelf to just like, yeah, you got to like put it all back. Yeah. And too. then, of course, like, you know, the 
I feel like I don't know how you feel at Brooklyn Clay, but I do think like I get like a lot of like judgy looks whenever I make bigger pieces because it doesn't fit the space that I have, and I'll be like, "Hey, sorry, can I like put it somewhere else?" And they'll be like, "Sure, like, sure, why not?" Yeah, already so, fucking jerk. Exactly. They're like, "Haha, you think you're like so cool? You're making like cool shit." Um, so I think that's why it's like, yeah, make having yeah. a big space. It's always like, and you want to be like ambitious and want to like make bigger stuff too i mean that's yeah. how i feel does yeah, that so. like is that because of your scale is very specific like you it's they're not quite <coughs> my <big>. kiln size ah! <laughs> <laughs> what, what, uh, what kind of kiln do you have uh i have like an l and l easy fire cool whatever yeah. it's like i think the dimensions are like 27 inches tall by like 28 wide or something like that that's close to my scale too that's where I'm that's at. really funny and i'm like push it to the point where i'm like removing all of the shelves <laughs> like i'm literally like just putting sand in the bottom of the kiln and i'm like hope glaze doesn't get on it yeah we had to fire some in cammy's work the other day and that was like we were loading the kiln and she's like oh, that's fine we'll just pull the floor out and fire it on the on the floor and i was like no we're not doing that she's like we're not doing that and i was like <laughs> Who the fuck are you? <laughs> Whatever, <laughs> Alfred. Yeah. I like. Since when can't you do that? Mostly that one's just fiber on the floor. I was gonna yeah. say that there was there was a bigger. Or problem. yeah, I would have yeah, I would have been all for it. Yeah. Because I was a little suspicious. I was like, if Gus is saying that he, can, I mean, it, can, we can't do it, but. What it do was they like, fucking teach at Alfred? You know. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> oh, I see. So, but do you have like ambition to make really, 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 really big? Yeah, like, like, are you going to do the... Um, Matt Waddell, yeah. Jim Kaneko style? Like, go move out to the boonies and build like, a giant that's kind of what I was... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> with, like, um, a, with a hoist above it? And, like, a spring where you collect your water? And a composting toilet? And then you start talking to the owls in your pieces like they're your best friends? Because that's... I mean, I already do that, so yeah. check. <laughs> but I don't think I have the ambition to do what Matt does. Like, I think... His stuff is like too big. Yeah, it's crazy. It's huge. It's amazing. Yeah. Like I've been to his studio in rural Ohio. Oh, cool. It's just like it's amazing. You just are like walking around these things that are like literally like ten times your size. Wow. And I think I would like to get to a certain scale, like maybe something that's equal to like my height or something like that. But I think farther past that I don't have the ambition to do it in clay yeah I would rather do something else like just have a metal sculpture or bronze or something like that yeah. or have someone else do it for or, you yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, like yeah. you sketch in a tiny notebook I'm like, like yeah please make actually this yeah. shape do that <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, that's really funny do you ever have people help you in the studio have no. you ever had people make stuff for you no okay I I build like really fast. Yeah. Uh like I've made thirty pieces at the residency. Nice. In like how in how long? Like two weeks or so. So like two or three a day? Yeah. You just sh- like uh, Do you show up with a bunch of sketches or do you just like I show up with a bunch of okay. sketches. Like I have a really intense drawing practice where I like draw like things over and over and over and over so like whenever I go into the studio I pretty much just like look at those go but then 
like half of the time I'm actually just building off of the pieces that I'm like working on like I might do a rendition of like like say fruit or something I might build like pieces that include multiple pairs but then it just becomes like different elements stacked like different renditions of the same thing but if I ever like I'm like what am I supposed to make I just open my sketchbook and I'm like that one how do you start like your process with sketching like do you do that at the studio as well or is that a separate thing uh it's typically not at the studio like it'll be like at home like I'm just messing around or if I I'll I'll go to like a coffee shop or something and just sit down and just like bus out like 40 drawings or like if I'm on the train like the train up here from upstate I like drew a bunch something like that yeah Yeah. Um, but it's definitely like it goes back and forth it's like the drawing informs the sculpture and the sculpture then informs the drawings too yeah because I'll like draw the things I've sculpted Have, have you ever just like like made drawings as finished work or is that always just like um, in service of the sculpture or even I 2d work tried yeah. i tried yeah. um i did a, a like a collaborative project with poems and drawings that was printed through um through this printing company in tallahassee one of my good friends called drum machine editions and they produced like a small little book that was um it was me um, and the poet Rita Mukherjee, who made these uh, kind of like responsive poems to my drawings. And like that is, that's kind of as far as it's gotten. Um, I've been trying to do like more wall-based drawing-esque things, mm-hmm. but out of clay, but it's not been, it's not been good. Oh. I know somebody to do that shit like that. Shit like that. Terrible. (laughs) Boring. (laughs) Who does that? It's like, why does it have to be made out of clay? Can't you think of another? Fit in a Trader Joe's bag too. (laughs) Can't you think of another medium like painting or some shit? I don't know. Do you like painting? Like in what way? (laughs) Like in a like Like, non ceramics like involved. Uh, I. Yes and no. What's your favorite work to see in a gallery? Like if you, like not, uh, and I don't mean like style, I just mean like, cause like, like I Like a still, type of work? Yeah, or like, yeah, like what if you, like if you just walk in, like let's say you're just walking around like a gallery area, what's like the thing that you get the most pumped? Like for me, it's like, if I see weirdo tiny ceramics on pedestals, I'm like, I gotta see what this yeah. is. Um, <laughs> But I think for a lot of people, it's big paintings. I'm not really sure. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I like really, like, object-based sculptural works. Like, scale, maybe something like yeah. like Alma Allen or something like that. Like, these big carved marble, marble like, sculptures or something like that. Like, that's what I get oh, yeah. excited about seeing. Yeah. Um, painting, not so much. There's a lot, there's a lot of it. Yeah. Um, and just visually, it I'm kind of... I'm taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm writing down in my pad. Uh, there's a lot of painting. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, um, what's your favorite thing to see? Oh, uh, <laughs> I like to see Fluxus work. Like, every time I see something that a Fluxus artist did, I'm like, I'm in. I'm like, you like Fluxus? George, yeah, George you like, Fluxus. Like, <laughs> like Yoko Ono, George Mankiewicz. Oh, um, like Magnesium. <laughs> <laughs> Alice... 
No, Pluxus. Oh. That's, it's like a genre of Chris, what do you like? Oh, jeez. Chris, what do you like? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it goes in phases. I feel like if I'm really into drawing, then I like, like sometimes when I like, I don't know, I think I go for like what I'm feeling inspired right now. And if I'm like, like I said, into drawing, then I probably want to look at something more like illustration based or like some paintings. But I also feel like sculptures is always like something that fascinates me. This was even like before I started doing ceramics. Um, yeah, I just think something that's from like from a 2D form to a 3D form has always like fascinates me. And the mixture of both together. And I'm not talking about your work, but I'm just saying like, <laughs> like that oh. idea. That <laughs> idea. Putting a gut. Yeah. <laughs> No, but yeah, I think that's that's what My I like. Apartment, really. <laughs> and well, that was the ceramics podcast. Um, and thanks, everyone. I mean, your work to me is like super dramatic. You know, it's really me? yeah, <laughs> yes. I feel like I think so. Yeah, yeah, right. It feels like really like theatrical. Yes, exactly. Yeah. There's a like there's this undercurrent. It's sort of. I mean, it feels like really emotional. Do you do you want? Can you talk about that a little? Is that something that you think about? Can you talk about your trauma? <laughs> is that triggering? <laughs> oh, sorry. Can you talk Jesus. about? I guess can that's you talk not about your affliction? Can we talk about your your um, relationship? So I used to do forensic sculpture, like sculpting dead people. Whoa! Like that was uh, that was the first job I got out of undergraduate. Wait, that was your job? Yeah. I worked in a like a forensic lab. What? Wait, sculpting. Think, wait, okay, yeah, tell us more. So <laughs> you wanted know. to know. I do want to know. Yeah. Now I'm it got even, dark. I'm it even got more in, fast. Like, yeah. I'm even more hooked in. Like I'm like, tell me everything this, I need to know. Uh, about. This might actually Details. be your last podcast. Cool. <laughs> oh no. Good. Good. Um, no, like yeah, I uh, right out of undergraduate, I applied to like seven grad schools. I didn't get into any of them. And okay. you, wait, you studied art. I studied ceramics, okay. yeah. um, and I was like really depressed about it. And then all of a sudden, one of my professors was like, "Hey, I think you'd be good for this job." And I was like, "Okay, what is it? I'll pretty much do anything because I'm kind of like..." You were like, desperate. "I thought I was going to yeah. go to grad school, yeah. and now I'm not." I thought I wanted to do clay, and now I think I just want to watch it burn. <laughs> um, but they pretty much walked me over. This was at LSU, Louisiana State University, and I, ha I had no idea that this was a thing, but there's like one of the only forensic like research labs in the nation is on LSU's campus, and it's called the Faces Lab. And they brought me over there and showed me around, and they were like, we'd like to interview, interview you for this position as a forensic sculptor to replace this person who's been working here for like 35 years. Whoa. And so they basically talked to me for a bit and then they're like, great, we're going to hire you, show up next week. Did they like look at your work to see if you could even They do it? saw some of it. Like I, I had made a couple figures. I only made figurative work like the last maybe year that I was in undergraduate school. Like everything else was pots. Sure. And this, sorry, at this point, did they even like let you know what you were gonna do? <laughs> it it was explained in words, but the words didn't fit. Make sense at the time. Uh, yeah, yeah, it couldn't have prepared me for yeah what 
actually happened. Um, and so like I show up and they're like, here's a skull and here's a book. We need you to put the skin on this skull made oh. out of clay. You will, you, you will sculpt like what this person like looked like? could look, it's supposed to look like. And they, and there's, it's very technical. There's like 30 points on the face of your, like your skull that yeah. you have to measure out these markers called tissue depth markers. And you put them all over and then you sculpt the face that's supposed to be on it. And this is supposedly like a composite of data that they've collected from all of these people through um, like what is it MRI scans of their face to see the average depth based oh, on like age and like all of this other stuff and so I did it and they were like oh my god yours match like almost matches this person who's been doing it for like 30 years oh whoa and so I was like okay this is weird <laughs> and yeah I did that I did it for like a year so I was like, this is it. Okay, wait, how thick is my, like, how thick is my forehead to my skull? <laughs> oh, not thick enough, huh? <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. That's it, crazy. It was really crazy. It, and it, it did get very dark, which is why I quit. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not like, um, if it were only interpreting data like that, like, you could keep distance from it. But it's also like you have to read through the actual forensic file, which is like all of the actual like researchers like cutting open bones, mm -hmm. like telling you that this person was a smoker for like 15 years. So you have to age the person's rendering oh. by 15 years. So you and wait, is the idea that you're like trying to recreate what this person looked like because they're like jane doe or john doe yeah like, they, they don't know who it is and they oh, can't shit. extract dna from the bones because it's been uh like it's been so dried out or something it's like bones are like 30 years old or something like really Jeez. intense yeah that's crazy so that it's kind of it's kind of like a version of like you know in police sketch of like yeah that i was that like the reverse version or like the deeper version well, of that at, at this point in time they were like we're moving away from doing the sketching yeah they were like we're you can like i was trained to do the sketching too like you take a photograph of the skull and then you just draw the skin over it and they but they wanted like to render like more 3d versions so i'd actually would like sculpt it then take photos of it and put it in photoshop and then like put hair like on it and then like would put clothes and things on these people and then they, they would publish it hoping that somebody would be like anything yeah that's my like long lost like Damn. grandfather or something did anyone, that's so intense did any of it work did anyone find anyone do you know I mean I know the like it's really delayed in how mm -hmm. it works like you you would do a, re a rendering or you know a re reconstruction and it would be like 10 years before that oh. would do anything. Um, and like the, like the DNA stuff too, like as far as I know, like they would send it out for, for DNA sampling or whatever. And a lot, a lot of it, like even if they could get DNA from the remains, um, they would 
send it back and it would be inconclusive if like it was just a bad swab or like there could have been something that contaminated the DNA too so then they would turn it over to me because they couldn't have like they couldn't tell what this person was you know like who they were anything about them so then they would turn it over to make an image so you're like a really good sculptor supposedly <laughs> that's what you got out of like, this whole yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, dark story I'm like a self-taught dark sculptor like I'm yeah. like upset all the time like that could have been your lifelong job like that other dude it could have been but I don't think it anybody was rough. should have that it but, was rough like, yeah. like it, it was not something it was not enjoyable like I've run, I've come across so many people like oh my god I'd love to do that job I was like no you think yeah and then you get to like basically just sit for three hours and read about how this person like was murdered. Yeah. And you're like, oh, great. Because you're literally putting faces to the yeah. stories. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot to ask of. And you're like 23 at the time, too. Yeah. Like, <laughs> if that, like, I might, yeah, I might be a little bit younger. And it's like, how the fuck, like, how do yeah. I have the this much? authority and power to dictate like that i'm somehow like making something that's right accurate yeah. in any way that's just such a crazy because like i know somebody who works for ford uh -huh. who does like the you know she like makes like car mock-ups yeah you know but <laughs> this is such a darker yeah but even that like i can't believe that's still a thing that anybody it's, does that's like the that's kind of like the craziest ceramic stab i've ever heard yeah of. It's rough. It's yeah. really rough. It's really crazy. I've like I've seen a real shrunken head. How do they shrink them? Uh, they put them in some fluid and shrink them down, right? Yeah, they like boil them and stuff. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's like. <laughs> yeah. You know what the most upsetting part about a shrunken head is? Is that it, your hair doesn't shrink. Oh. So it has the same amount of hair as a fully sized human skull on like a troll doll head. So like Beetlejuice, <laughs> yeah, yeah. How'd you how'd you get so how'd you get out of that job? <laughs> I just I, I mean I quit. I, Where'd I just, you go? Like, What'd you do? I you were still in Baton Rouge. Yeah, and then I just like packed my shit and was just like I'm gonna do post back. I'm gonna go back to school. I don't like this. <laughs> uh, I need a change. Yeah. Um, and so I actually like applied to go to Kansas where you were and I talked to Amy. Terrible state. <laughs> Jesus. Sorry, Kansas. <laughs> um, and was gonna go, but uh, she politely, politely like told me not to. Was um, she on her way out? I think so. Okay. Like I think that's what it was. Like she, I don't think at the time she could say, hi, I'm leaving. But she was also like, no, like, if you have other options, maybe try and explore those. Yeah. Because you wanted to go to work with her. Yeah, I wanted to yeah. go work with... I don't know if Kyle was there. He must, I think he was leaving. I he think he was leaving, too. too. Yeah. yeah. Kyle Triplett, who we both know. How do you know Kyle? Uh, whenever I was an undergraduate at LSU, he was a postback at okay. LSU. Cool. And we met each other there, and I'm pretty sure he didn't know who or what the fuck, how to take me. Yeah. Because I was the kid who was there like 16 hours a day. Yeah. And he was like, what are you doing? 
Like, why are you here? And when I first met him, I just remember being extraordinarily intimidated because like, it was like my first throwing class or something. And he was like right across the hall throwing, but he was throwing like 25, 30 pounds of clay at a time. Yeah. Like just like nothing was like just doing it like it was routine. I went to undergraduate there for I think like six years. It took me a long time to actually graduate. State school. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I was at Kent too. Yeah. Oh, you could just stay forever. Yeah. And they're like, they're fine. And um, I mean, they let me kind of have run of the place, honestly. Um, I think there's a little bit like when I was at Kent, like Kirk was like, he didn't, I don't know that he wanted to push people out so fast. Like, I think he had some ceramics majors and the people that were hardcore ceramicists, he wanted to keep them around because they were like creating a lot of work. And like, Yeah, I think that was a very similar feel. Like there were, there were several of us that were really like there. I mean, in all honesty, we were there like at least 14 hours out of the day, just like, and would just work through classes, through breaks, through everything. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think they just like really enjoyed having, you know, there were a handful of us just like around the studio. Um, I ended up being like studio assistant for several of the graduate students at that time too. I was a studio assistant to both of the professors too. So yeah, I got like... It's a, like Mikey Walsh, right? Mikey Walsh and Andy Shaw. Okay. So cool. it was like really interesting having like... You know, I was assistant to a slipcaster, hand builder, thrower, like pot, like potter, like all around. It was a great, like, I felt like it was a really good education wise because I got a lot of, a lot of skills really quickly. I mean, I only, the six years that I was in undergrad, I only was in ceramics for maybe three. Before that, I was doing like mechanical engineering or something dumb because um, I thought that I was going to be an engineer. Oh, right. Yeah. That yeah. totally makes sense. That yeah. sucks, dude. You'd probably like be living on some dude's couch, you know? Oh my like, god! Just trying to make ends meet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like go and lay in a bathtub of money. <laughs> so what made you like switch to ceramics? I just I had a problem with the all of the theory, like it's one of the same problems that I have with a lot of ceramics actually. Um, there's a lot of like textbook knowledge, but no yeah. actual knowledge about what actually happens in the world. Yeah. And that was really hard. I mean, I had been in just doing mechanical engineering for a long time, like calculus, physics, you know, and it was like, man, like when are we going to actually like get to design and like make right. this thing and like have it work? And that just never came. And I just was like, okay, uh, this is not what... I want it to be. I think that it maybe would never come. Who knows? I don't know. Although I did hear a recent, I did hear a recent, I'm listening to this podcast called The Happiness Lab. You had a guest that talks about engineers, how they design a lot of things to make our lives easier and have less interface with people because they themselves don't want to be around people. Yeah, that sounds like my brother. Yeah, so, (laughs) so, but but people, like naturally people actually introvert or extrovert it doesn't matter they want to be around people yeah Mm. except engineers except engineers (laughs) who are designing things for people anyway that doesn't have anything to do with engineer but I'm just saying that would be your life is like yeah that's like the what if the what if 
Uh, oof. I'd have more money than what I do. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. I mean, whatever. There, I mean, money is, doesn't buy happiness. Buys a sick table saw, though. <laughs> buys a sick tool that will get me happiness. Okay, so then you went to Cranbrook. After doing post back in Philadelphia for a year at Tyler School of Art, I went to Cranbrook. Oh, so instead of Kansas, you yeah. went to Philadelphia. Yeah. Okay, wait. How do you know Amy then? You just know Amy from... I One know Amy study. from that, but then at multiple other NCICAs, we've met up. She just shows up. Yeah, everywhere. she just shows up. Yeah. Like, I don't remember what it might have been Kansas. There was like this huge party in like a really dark space. And I just remember all of a sudden, just Amy just being like, bam, like right there. And she's like, hey. And I'm like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Kyle's teaching in Kalamazoo now in Michigan. Yeah. He's by me. Yeah. Have you seen him? Not since he took over the job. We did a, a residency together in Iceland. Though. Oh, cool. Um, and, I mean, he's just great. I mean, I love getting together with Kyle. And we'll, we'll always get together and just shoot the shit and have beers. He's a good, yeah, good dude. Yeah, his work is great. Yeah. yeah. I like yeah, watching. He has all those, like, rubber molds. And, like, he's making all these, like, really delicate flowers and things. And I'm like, that's not... When I look at you, yeah. that's not what I expect you to be making. But you have he has such like a delicate touch about how he does those things. I'm like, yeah. I, I can't do that. Yeah. Like I make big chunky things. <laughs> the li- with the least amount of detail. You're like, yeah. how much little detail can I put on this thing and still have the thing? That's right. Yeah. Distilled essence. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> there it that's is. Beautiful. Ooh. Ooh. Um, okay. I know we got to talk about Cranbrook at some point, too. Oh, God. That's all I want to talk about. I'm dying. Let's talk about it. Come on. Hit okay. me. Go for it, then. Okay. Um, how many people did you have sex with at Cranbrook? <laughs> no, I don't really want to know that. But it is kind of shocking because Cranbrook's very small. It's such a weird experience. We actually shouldn't. We shouldn't talk about because I could really talk. <laughs> I could really just talk about Cranbrook for, like, what was it like for you? Was it, like, the best thing that ever maybe happened like, to Pick maybe, like, five questions. Okay. There is Cranbrook the best, the most beautiful place that you've ever okay. seen? Okay, let me ask you it's another It's the most question. beautiful school I've ever been to. Well, that's fair. That's pretty good. He's only been, how many have you been to, like six or seven? That's pretty good. <laughs> that's a lot of schools. <laughs> okay. Um, what is your favorite piece of architecture at Cranbrook? Mm. Like, what's your favorite thing? Like the doors? To the oh, museum and the library. That's cool. Okay, wait. I have a Cranbrook question. Yeah. And I've never been. You go. Okay. I, I want to go. Yeah. Uh, how long... Not in winter. Don't go in winter. Okay. <laughs> how long did it take you to find your favorite bathroom at Cranbrook? Not long. Really? Yeah. In the new studios building of Cranbrook, which houses uh, all of the craft departments, metals is the bottom, uh, the basement, ceramics is ground floor, and then fiber is the top floor. And that's nice that they put metals in the basement. Fuck those guys. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's always ceramics in the basement. Yeah. Yeah. It's about time. (laughs) But in the basement, there is a series of four bathrooms that are kind of secluded. Yeah. And they're just nice because there's four of them and it's like you can go whenever there's never they're never full and you can just like use the restroom be in peace 
I don't want to turn this into like a like a Alfred versus Cranbrook thing, but I I I know we like, know what's coming. I, I I know that's where Alfred's gonna lose out. Is seriously the worst bathrooms <laughs> I've ever been in. <laughs> like I would walk like two buildings over to go to the bathroom. Oh no, it's awful. How my question? One of my questions is how? What's the most drunk you've ever been at lounge? Oh my god! So where? lounge is like yeah. This so, is like. Fucking Harvard people talking. Yeah, so lounge is like at Cranbrook. There's a thing called lounge, which the students go to the Kroger or to Myers Thrifty Acres, buy a bunch of beer, and then bring it in and set up a bar. And then it's on Wednesdays and Fridays, or Wednesdays and Saturdays. They pretty much like so now the way that they, or at least when they used to do when I was there, they would do like department sponsored lounges. Uh, yeah. Like a department would supply all the liquor and bartend it, and it would be like a, kind of a rotating thing. And it would happen like maybe like once every three weeks. Oh, but it wow. was like hardcore. Like, yeah. People were like, didn't remember they were at Cranbrook. Is that, that was Cammy. I mean, Cammie I think ours up, was the every... The ghost of would show up. But I think ours was every week, twice a week. Yeah. It was, like, definitely... <laughs> <laughs> Too much. It was a... I, rem- I mean, I ran a lot of them. It was pretty... Like, if you did it right, you could actually make money. It was yeah. A, it was a hustle. Yeah. Um, but there was... We didn't go out ever. We didn't no. leave campus. No. So we would just... I think, yeah, you didn't leave campus to go to, like, a bar or anything. Like, if anything, like, you'd either do something in the department or or you went to lounge. Like, they, they were honestly, like, really big productions. Like, they started theming them, yeah. you know, and it, it just became, like, a really big thing. I got pretty drunk at lounge. Like, <laughs> yeah, you, there's a lot of stuff. Well, Anders, Anders also did, like really intense department dinners at his house like it would be 16 of us at his house getting would he cook yeah like like it it would be amazing like he did uh holiday dinners and all kinds of stuff and we would just sit there and drink yeah like till two in the morning and it was kind of funny because you would have to navigate cranbrook's campus to get back because he lived like pretty far out like in these gardens like way across campus it's like a maybe like a 10 minute walk like through woods and like all of this other stuff so he's like you would just like get wasted and try and navigate back you'd fall in the (laughs) flower you'd fall in the flower beds the fountain you know and just like whatever but it was yeah what's it like working with Anders Ruwald his work is crazy I love his work. I was his studio assistant for like two and a half years. I love the stuff that you made for Anders. Oh my gosh. <laughs> no, no, no. Um. Um, uh, I mean, I, it was, it was, um, it was really nice. Like, like the nice part about it was, is like I was involved with a lot of like things that I don't think a normal studio assistant would get to see. Yeah. Like, I would be sitting at, on, on, like, a museum committee, like, giving, like, information about how an installation would work. Like, I would be there with him discussing with the museum, well, how to, in, like, install work, like, things like that. Like, um, the large 
like installation unit one 3583 Dubois which is his site-specific installation in a building that he owns in Detroit um, it actually was like it was first installed in Cleveland in a museum and then we made it in a way that w it could be detached from the museum preserved and then reinstalled as part of the permanent installation in Detroit so there's a lot of coordinating with that in terms of like the scope of like fire safety and all this other crap um, and I don't think like there was a lot of those kinds of conversations th that it was just nice to be present on because it's just something that you're not really like aware of that happens like you yeah. just kind of think you just show up and drop it off and it happens um, so that was cool and I think also like there was a lot of like exploration of different materials like how to do things um, and I think like a, a lot of that kind of like really informed the work that I was doing at Cranbrook when I was there I didn't make a whole heck of a lot of ceramics while I was there I was always like making things out of like lead and like all this other stuff which is like directly related to a lot of the explorations that I was doing for him at the time to just make certain things happen so you were working for him while you were in school yeah cool yeah, yeah. Um, I was like fire stuff for him like devise ways of like firing stuff um, I was doing like large-scale installation work yeah that's sweet it was it was it was definitely interesting like i i didn't like directly like make the ceramic pieces but like a lot of the behind the scenes like how to actually make this thing hang or like whatever like some of that engineering was me yeah um he has such good videos about him and his work <laughs> like more than more than like almost anybody else other than like tom Sachs. um okay i want to i want to talk about okay. clay pop Oh, that's like oh, the yeah. biggest What's ceramic up? show that's What's happened up? in like Are you fucking psyched years? to be in that show, yeah. dude? <laughs> yes, Holy I am psyched. Shit. <laughs> Holy shit. Well, I mean, like, how psyched would you be to get an email like, hi, we want to put you in this show, and you go, duh, I want to be in this fucking <laughs> yeah. show. You go, duh, you want me in this fucking show. <laughs> <laughs> if only. <laughs> yeah, man, yeah. What, a, what a good show, and like, what a big show to be in. It's great. I mean, it's... It's really wild. It's a really kind of strange feeling because, I mean, literally, like, that's what that's what happened. Like, I just randomly got this email and it was like, hi, I saw your work. <laughs> like it, want it to be in this show. What just do you like think? That. Yeah. And Damn. it was like, what do you mean? Yeah. Like, where did you see my work first <laughs> off? Yeah, actually, yeah. What Do you have any idea? Did you find yeah, out? Yeah, no, I know. I asked. Yeah. I asked. <laughs> I was like, asked. I literally asked. You have to ask first thing. <laughs> I'd yeah. be like, like I was how like, do you know me? You're yeah, like, like, I actually don't work for Anders anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just like, like, no, like, in all seriousness, like, how did you, how did you find me? And um, Aaliyah Williams, who's the curator for the show, she was just like I saw a press release from your show at uh, primary in Miami which I had a, a solo show there and they had done a, a press release and had kind of like sent it out to various places like I didn't even really know that they had done that. like I knew they made a press release I didn't know they like sent it to Jeffrey Deitch yeah yeah that's cool. and 
all of a sudden I got this email about it and she was like you want to be in this show and I was like <laughs> duh <laughs> <laughs> how long was like the process like from when you found out that you were going to be in a show to actually making the stuff for the show like at first the conversations like we talked on the phone it was like this is what we're thinking like one to two pieces per artist yeah. um you know like make some stuff let us know what you think and so that was like probably like eight months before the show opened um it was quite a while and so i was like okay cool i have some time you know i'll just like do mess around and kind of figure out some stuff like i had a few things going on and and um yeah it was just it really only manifested like within like you know they were like oh we need to pick up the work from you say like August middle of August and this is like I'm like July I'm like oh yeah. so like I have to like make it, like, get on it. wrap it up yeah <laughs> like yeah. what do I have nothing yeah. oh cool <laughs> let me make something real quick so it, it yeah it, the time kind of like collapsed but it, it became like a process of like trying to figure out like so if I send you know one work what would that be I'm kind of like slightly freaking out about sending one work right. and I was like I'm gonna send two and I want them to kind of like read as like versions yeah. of of this like me like right um, so I opted to send like kind of two works that were like based off of like owl imagery um, and so like I was just like this one and this one is this cool and they were like yeah great they look awesome was there like like, a lot of like back and forth between not really yeah so they just like like, let you do your thing yeah i felt they kind of just let you do it and and then they were like you know what do you have and i was like i got these (laughs) and they're like awesome those are fucking sick send them (laughs) i was like you got it did you build a really nice crate yeah i built a really nice crate out of osb nice beautiful (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I love that's that's really all Gus cares about. The I love a good the crate. shaping. Yeah, the I shape, mean, yeah. the, the shape, the, a well-made, a well-crafted crate. Well, you know, that's is why just I, as important. That's the only reason the I know about John at yeah Cranbrook is just because he's always posting pictures of like nice crates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, his crates are are much nicer than mine. The materials that they use are yeah. way more expensive yeah. than my like OSB and like crap boards out of the discard yeah. pile at Home Depot. Yeah. And I'm sure yeah. like because you did art handling, right? Or yeah. you're doing are yeah. you still doing it? Yeah, every now and again. Yeah, so you have that skill set to help. Yeah. Yeah. And that and I build all the crates that all the work has shipped in and everything. I actually I've had a couple people ship work before and it just it never makes it. Oh really? Yeah. Like multiple Yikes. pieces have just shown up and it's like half of it's just like destroyed. And I'm like, great. I found I found such good foam on the street today, but I couldn't carry it. <laughs> oh, that sucks. And it was like, because it was like For the uh, perfect foam. Yeah, it was like like at least two inches thick, and there were like maybe like three pieces that were like four feet by five feet. Whoa, it was like that was really big. Beautiful. Was it a memory yeah. foam mattress? No, I wouldn't have picked it up. I wouldn't have even touched it. Yeah, yeah. by bug. No, it, it would have like, been bugs. wet. Yeah, it would have been wet and with <laughs> yeah. God knows what. <laughs> You're like, it's yellow. Oh, 
you literally like oh, look back and there's a dog peeing yeah. on it. You're like oh, oh and oh, or yeah. a, or a person. Uh, but yeah. the, anyway, the piece in the piece in the show that you put in is like a giant hand, yeah. right? And then there's an owl sitting in the hand. Yes. Yeah. Such a beautiful piece. Like, um, but do you? I can't and remember. And then the piece next to it too. What was that? It was a yellow kind of owl figurehead. Yeah. With a pomegranate and right. like an apricot on top. Okay. I thought that was blueberry, but thanks for clarifying. <laughs> that's but that's the point of like art removing the details. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So there is that kind of like slippery confusion that happens. Do you? What do you try? Like when you put human like. When you're working with like still lifes and like the hu- then you like put a human piece in there, it's kind of well always like when you put a detached hand, that's always a little it's sort of like creepy, but also like gives like reminder of like humans interacting with nature, I guess, right? Uh-huh. Or like that sort of thing. Is that something that you're trying to like keep in your work, like the human presence? Or is there always a human presence, even though... What do you think? <laughs> what do you think about finish, that? Finish that thought. Finish where I'm trying to go with this sentence. Um, I mean, definitely there is an interaction between, like, the animal world, human world, because, I, I mean, I grew up very deep, like, in, like, seriously in Louisiana, like, deep forest, swampland, like, oh, wow. living off of the land... I grew up in a town named Pigeon that has like 200 people max. Wow. Um, and it was just like, you know, we hunted, we fished, and it was part of like actually surviving that was, you know, was always this involvement with animals. Um, you know, there are parts in time where you wake up in the morning and there's like an alligator out your back door. Uh, there's snakes everywhere. Um, and it just became like that was just very much of like part of the experience of growing up in that place was that you and animals are like together you coexist and there's not really anything that you can do about it like that's what it is Um, and so you know like the way that I you know try and make my work is like I think back a a lot about that and like where I've come from and kind of like this coexistence this kind of mutual kind of like almost like friendship between animals where like um, you know like they're there they're doing their thing but and we're here doing our thing and like how you know what is the I guess like how do we navigate existing in the same space with like not eradicating one another Um, so there's like a balancing there that I try and like deal with I don't ever want to like within my work like imagery wise like I don't want to ever be like here's like a hand like stabbing something oh but then you could have the animal like stabbing the hand too right There you go. There's oh. the next piece right there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Boom. Yes. Yes. You want to be a studio play, assistant? Play pop two. Play pop two. There we go. Yeah. Play pop two. <laughs> Virgin <laughs> 2.0. Exactly. I think what I was trying to say is you're an observer. So you're like an yeah. observer of both nature. And then I feel like when you put a, the human presence in, it's almost like a self-portrait uh-huh. of you in nature. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's so like you've like taken out any of the detail. So it's actually very like a, that's what makes it so dramatic. It's uh-huh. just like the 
then the hand becomes so important or like yeah. the apricot becomes so important the lack of information makes what's there sort of really cry out <laughs> or sing if depending on the, <laughs> the color cry. i guess scream, ah, scream. um should we end this podcast yeah. and start the next podcast yeah let's do it <laughs> wait thank you so much this was wait, like such you. a blast yeah. um it was so fun to get to know you and congratulations on being in the show well thank you yeah, thank you for having me it was really yeah. an enjoyable time talking with you too great thanks a lot uh chris as well for having us on <laughs> as guests i'm literally guests. just like a fly on the wall just like <laughs> feeling like i'm watching this podcast in real life <laughs> It's like, oh yeah, cool. I know we're gonna have to talk. Live, I know the live audience. <laughs> I know. Wait, I just want you to sit right there and just turn your head to the left a little bit, and then here we are. Welcome to the Ceramic Podcast with me, your host, Chris Gale, and please introduce yourself, oh, my co-host. Okay, great. I'm Cami Clamaco. And I'm Gustav Hamilton. And? I'm Wade Touye. <laughs> <laughs>